Today's guest is Jeff Gallimore. He's the Chief Technology and Innovation Officer and also the co-founder at Excella. He's also a writer and speaker within the DevOps community, where he's also an organizer for DevOps Days DC, and he's a co-founder of the DC Tech Community Champions. So thank you so much for joining me today, Jeff. It's been a while since we talked. It has been. It's, it's my pleasure. Thanks, Jeremy. So for those who haven't met you, talk about your background. Where are you from, who you are, and what you do? Yeah. Uh, so uh, Jeff Gallimore, uh, Chief Technology and Innovation Officer uh, and co-founder at Excel. You already hit that. So CTIO um, go for short, uh, and we already hit the official version of that title. The the unofficial uh, title is uh, the T in the I stands for trouble and instigation. Um, and my my boss, my co-founder and, and our CEO would, would say I'm very good at my job, uh, but always in the spirit spirit of trying to be helpful and, you know, make things better. So, um, so, you know, I'm obviously in the, the technology field, like, like we all are. Um, and, um, you know, when I think back about, uh, about the field and like maybe where I got my start. Um, I, I thought about my seventh grade math class and, um, our math teacher had, uh, had a computer in the math in the in the math room, um, and you know we did some some playing around with stuff. And my first my first programming, uh, we'll call it experience, was uh, was programming the turtle in in BASIC to draw pictures on the screen. Um, and uh, it had that that computer. Uh, I think might have been an Atari, and it had that um, you know that cassette drive that like that's how you stored your programs. Like floppy right. disk drives were not even a thing, at least. In our in in that world, uh, they were the cassette drives. So that's sort of where I got exposed to the to the to the computer. And then my dad got one for the family the following year. So now I could, you know, mess around with stuff at home. Um, and then uh, we we moved from Virginia to Colorado Springs because Dad was uh, was Air Force. He was career Air Force, um, and he got restationed out at uh, Space Command out in in Colorado Springs. Uh, so we moved out there. And that's where I went to high school, uh, on the Air Force Academy, and um, I I had this um, you know I was getting close to graduation had this choice between staying in Colorado, uh, a state that I really loved. Um, there was just something about it that agreed with me, um, but Dad said you know hey we're you know we're going back to Virginia because I, I I just got restationed at the Pentagon, um, so you know you, you might want to think about applying to some Virginia schools, <laughs> and I said well. I don't know about that, Dad, because I really like, uh, you know, I really like Colorado. I had my heart set there. Um, so uh, so he said, you know, but, but you probably should apply to a Virginia school. And I said, well, OK, fine, because you said so. <laughs> and I, I looked and I thought, well, you know, what's the state school of Virginia? You know, I have, so I, I looked up University of Virginia and I applied to there. I had no idea. Uh <laughs> that University of Virginia was the University of Virginia. Right. Um, and I and I got in out of state and uh, which I guess was saying something at the time. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I would tell my uh, tell my friends uh, in, in, in high school, uh, you know, they would ask where I was going. And I was like, I'm not sure. I'm thinking about this Colorado school. And then I also got accepted to U University of Virginia. And they looked at me like I was crazy or something like Jeff, this isn't even a choice. And I, you know, so I ended up going to UVA, uh, the engineering school there, um, thinking I was going to be, uh, an electrical engineering major because I had this 
this this notion that it would be super cool to be able to go down to the Radio Shack, which was also a thing at the time, and just be able to pick up all of the electrical components and like build stuff with them. Um, I thought that would be fun. Uh, but I learned about a field, one of the majors that in the um, in the engineering department at UVA uh, called systems engineering. And it was, um, the thing was really attractive about systems engineering was it wasn't uniquely suited to any like specific field. It was actually broadly applicable to, to almost any field. And it was, it was really the science of problem solving and, and in particular complex, fuzzy, big, hard to solve problems. It was a, a problem solving uh, approach and way of thinking. Um, and that was really appealing to me because I was interested in a lot of stuff. So I ended up in the, in the systems engineering field um, and graduating from UVA. Um, and, and then probably the moment where I, I really discovered that I wanted to work in this field of technology as a, as a career um, was uh, the summer between my third and my fourth year at UVA, I had an internship at uh, AMS, American Management Systems. Oh, yeah. um, and the and the and the the project that I was working on was um, a real property management system for uh, the Department of Justice. It was actually one of the one of the components I think within the Department of Justice, and uh, it, you know, it was to help them manage all of their their real property, you know, their buildings and you know property uh, land and such like that. And that was the first time I had seen a computer do something useful in the real world. I mean, it wasn't like programming the turtle to draw pictures and it wasn't solving my, my homework assignments in college. Um, so, uh, so that was the first time I saw the computer doing something useful. And it was really interesting to me um, that, you know, the power of technology, the power of the computer to be able to do, to do all of this stuff. Um, and so I worked uh, I worked at AMS uh, after college uh, for a couple of years and then joined a smaller uh, consulting company. It was only, I think I was employee number 60 at the time. Um, and, uh, and, and did a lot of the same stuff there, building, building systems, working with technology. Um, and then in, uh, in the early 2000s, um, there was a group of us that, that got together and decided that, that maybe we were interested in, in starting our own consulting company, um, or te uh, technology services company. And, um, and that led to the, uh, the, the starting of Excella with a couple of other co-founders. Um, and then, uh, you know, we're still, we're still rolling along here, uh, 21 years later. That's awesome. Uh, doing, doing pretty well. Uh, and then there was one, there was one, um, there was one sort of inflection point um, well, there's lots of inflection points in that, in that 21 years of Excella, but there was one in particular, um, that was really meaningful to, to me because I remember being faced with this choice of, um, do I stay hands-on technical, like sling and code hands-on keyboard, or did I go into, um, the best way I could describe it was like management, um, <laughs> management. I put that in air quotes. Um, you know, it was, it was several years into into Excella, and we were trying to build this company. And I remember trying to stay close to my roots of being a developer and a DBA, which is where I started um, my my career in technology. 
and just having a really hard time trying to stay up with all of the advances in technology, like Java and the web and all of that stuff was all happening at that time. I'm like, I really love this stuff and I think I'm kind of good at it. And I, uh, it's, it's really interesting to me, but I feel like if I try to keep my feet in both camps, um, I'm going to be just okay at both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it really came down to the choice of where do I feel like I, um, A, have the aptitude um, and the ability and and B, maybe even more importantly is um, where can I have the most impact? And I felt like I could have more of an impact uh, on people and organizations and teams by, by building my management and leadership chops, um, staying connected to the technology through others who were really connected to the technology, but really trying to explore that, that management and leadership track. And that's sort of, that was where I, I, you know, I don't want to say made a hard right, but uh, started down that path. It must've been really interesting too, as you were still in the middle of that decision, you're doing technical work, but you're a co-founder for the company working next to somebody who isn't, right? That's right. Yeah. It must've been a very interesting dynamic that I could I could imagine uh, had maybe a little tension, maybe not. Uh, it depends on the people, right? Yeah. So I don't know if, um, I, I don't know if I knew enough uh, <laughs> at the time about running a company to, uh, to, to, to understand that, um, that the, the other person might be feeling that way. Um, I was, I was like, uh, trying to keep up with them a lot of the time. Uh, and I still try to do that. Uh, you know, our folks, you know, folks know so many things and I'm just a, an extremely curious person. And, and if you give me the opportunity, I'll ask a billion questions, um, which sometimes frustrates people and they grow wearisome of that. But uh, um, yeah, I don't know if I knew enough at the time to understand the the dynamic. I was just super curious and wanting to work with somebody and um, they probably had thoughts and feels about all of that, but I didn't realize that until, until much, much later in my, in my, uh, yeah. my career there. Well, I mean, it's, and, and I know this will be a, a, a positive comparison for you, but there, there are others, right. Who have had that struggle and we can use the Bill Gates of the world, the Elon Musk's of the world, right. Who are super smart. You're very, you're very smart in what you do. Um, uh, but yet have to be managers too. And there's that, just that dichotomy they got to work out. Yeah. I, that was, um, that was also an aha moment uh, for me. Um, it was after that, sort of after that inflection point of, or that the pivot of uh, or decision point of if I stay technical or I go down the management management track. Um, this is this is one of the regrets um, that the notion that there's a there's a, a, a science and a skill. Um, to management and leadership, that 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 light bulb didn't go off for me until um, later than I would like, um, and that and that sent me on another journey of of learning about you know what what does good leadership and what does good management um, look like, and in fact that's probably where I spend um, as much of my time learning and trying trying to get better at that as I do about learning about the technology and understanding, you know, what it works and how it works. Again, usually from from others um, who are who are a lot closer to that. But you know that 
I, I could point to, um, you know, getting some you know, leadership assessments uh, and, and some feedback from that. Um, I could point to reading uh, the book, Turn the Ship Around by David Marquet. And that was, you know, that was a big deal for me. Um, yeah, there was, there was a lot of, um, a lot of light bulb moments for, for that leadership journey that, that I've been on for like probably, you know, 10 or 15 years, at least mm-hmm. knowingly on that journey for the last 10 or 15 years. Yeah, that's interesting. So I know you're big, you're a big deal in the DevOps world. When did that kind of uh, concept make itself uh, noticeable to you? I, I, um, I appreciate the throwing me the bone there that I've got a big deal in the DevOps DevOps community. It's certainly a passion of mine um, for sure. And that I got, there's probably a couple of, um, a couple of key moments in, in that, in that story too. So the first one was um, one of the people on my team uh, at the, at the time uh, had just discovered this book called continuous delivery by, uh, by Dave Farley and Jess Humble. And he was reading this and, and sort of along with that, he was messing around with some uh, t- technologies like virtual box and how, do, and uh, Jenkins and things like that. And um, he was reading this book and he, and he, he hands it to me one day and he says, Jeff, you, you have to read this book. And I, I can't remember if he actually grabbed me by the shoulders and like right in my eye, Jeff, you got to read this book. But it was that it certainly felt like that. Um, and, and when he said that, uh, Mike McGar, if you're listening, Hey, yeah, I credit you. Um, uh, that, that got my attention. And so I read this and and it just, it, it opened my eyes to like, wow, this is not how, we usually work when it comes to, you know, building and delivering and maintaining systems. Um, but it's so fascinating. And wow, if this, if this is really how things could work, like, wouldn't this be awesome? Yeah. Um, and then right at about the same time, uh, I, I, I think I remember getting, um, I getting this, this, uh, you know, mass email as, as we all do. Um, and it, it had DevOps in the title or something like that that prompted me to click on it. And it took me to this page and there was this video there of Gene Kim on the stage doing this, doing this talk. Now, Gene was at the time, he was the, um, he was the co-founder and I think CTO of Tripwire, um, if we're familiar with that, uh, that product. Uh, so he founded that, that company. Um, so he was talking about high-performing organizations and what contributes to high-performing organizations and, and this thing called DevOps. Uh, so this is probably 2012, 2013, something like that. Um, and I and I said, wait a minute, I know that guy. <laughs> so Gene and I, Gene and I went to high school together in Colorado <laughs> Springs. We were in the same physics class um, our, our senior year. And uh, the running joke is, you know, who cheated off of whom? We, no cheating involved, but uh, we did go to high school together. And so we re- reconnected um, and uh, he had started, um, I think he had started IT Revolution at that point. So IT Revolution is you know, is the company behind some of our favorite books and favorite events. So if you've read the Phoenix Project or Accelerate or the DevOps Handbook, that's, or attended the DevOps Enterprise Summit, that's, you know, that's IT Revolution and that's, you know, that, that's Gene. So we reconnected that and um, built a working relationship over, over a bunch of years. And we're, you know, we're, I'm still helping him and, uh, Marguerite, who's the CEO, uh, out doing all the things and just 
super fun. That is super fun. And, 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 you know, we can get excited about DevOps, right? Because we were there before DevOps and saw how badly things came That's together right. and the whole, like pe- people just don't realize it's true. When you talk about, I got the requirements and by the time I built it, the requirements were so far different than, and yeah. So um, I'm excited. I, I, I always like interacting with you when we talk DevOps because it's, the, it's such an exciting uh, concept that I wish more organizations really adopted it truly rather than yes. some mas- masterated, you know, concept of it. That's right. It's, it's the thing that was so appealing to me and attractive at the time, if I'm being honest, it was, it was a lot of the technology um, and, um, and, 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 fiddling around with new technology because that was always fun for that is always fun for me. Uh, but once I s- saw the the ways, what we call ways of working now and w- how different that looked, and then also connecting that to the outcomes that were associated with those ways of working, it was like, how could we not do this? Like this, this is, this is an imperative. Um, this is a way to do better and get better and, like I just, I, I I couldn't I could not once I had seen it I couldn't opt out at that point I couldn't ignore that. Yeah. So you know as you've gone through your career and you've been a few places and you're doing a lot of stuff, what's something you you've seen that if if we came to you Jeff and said Jeff you have the power to make a change right uh, or or maybe it's too big a change maybe it's something that is so big maybe it's the you're going to just call our attention to it so we can start thinking through it, right? Because we don't yeah. have the solution so large. What, what might that be for you? Yeah. So, the, so um, you know, when people ask me that question, <laughs> I usually, I usually put myself in the, in the, in the frame of, so I've got my magic wand, like, what am I going to do with right. my magic wand? And unfortunately my magic wand is still in the shop, so I can't actually use it. But if I did have it, um, I would, uh, Okay, big magic wand here. I would get rid of all the bad actors who are trying to break into our systems. Ooh, like that's what I would do. I would get I would, I would get rid of I would get rid of that. That creates a lot of stress and badness and all of that stuff. So if we can get rid of all of those bad actors and the security concerns that come with that, that would be that would be pretty wonderful. But if if we're going to take something um, that's maybe a little more approachable. Uh, maybe we can move the needle on, on this. Um, uh, I, I would, um, so for, for people who are in the IT field or people who interact with people in the IT field, um, which I think might be everybody at this point, um, I think I, I would probably want everybody to have a healthier relationship with risk. Mm. Um, and, and related to that, I think that people having an unhealthy relationship with risk um, leads to a lot of wasteful practices um, that um, you know, that might help us sleep better at night, but they don't actually do anything to improve outcomes. In fact, they 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 might actually be counterproductive. Um, and and thinking about that, I can think of stuff in um, you know the use of cloud. I can think we just talked about security. I could. I can think of stuff in security that we do. Um, anybody out there have a change approval board uh, that requires human review and sign off of of documents? Um, like 
let's talk about you know sh shifting that or getting rid of those uh manual testing um anything associated with a water waterfall approach that that has uh stage gates involving human review of documents and and so in addition to all of the you know the those wasteful practices th that 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 culture of um uh risk tolerance or intolerance as the case may be it creates this feeling in a lot of people that they're afraid to act um you know for fear of being wrong or punished or blamed or having some negative consequence sort of blow back on them um or, or they feel like there are a bunch of blockers that are being put in their way when they do want to act mm -hmm. um so whatever so whatever we can do to to ha help individuals and organizations have a healthier attitude and approach to to risk um i i you know i'd, I'd love to do that i think we're going to get better outcomes uh as a result of that yeah, it might be closer to the bigger wand. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, getting rid of all bad security people, you know. I mean, that's true. Know, the true. black hat that's folks, big, that's that's pretty big. <laughs> but I mean, I've been I in, can, you know me, I work in government, so processes and bureaucracy are our trade in business. That is uh that is true. That is true. But as as our mutual friend Mark Schwartz would say, you know, you, you talk about bureaucracy like it's a bad thing. Right. It's not it's not always a bad thing. <laughs> Not always. No, not always. That's great. So what's next, what's next for you in this, uh, you know, coming up maybe this year or, or even next, you know, what's, what's coming up in the future for you? Yeah. Um, so probably too much would be, would be what my team would tell me, like, you know, whips too high, but um, I think the thing that, that, uh, you know, continuing the thread of the conversation we've been, we've already been talking about, um, I think, the ways of working that we typically associate with DevOps or, or DevSecOps, um, my, my belief, and I, and I think you share this, is that those are are becoming more and more mainstream. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it's just a matter of it's just a matter of time uh, because this is before this is before this is normal. Um, which which making that statement may not sound all that controversial or or profound. Um, you know, everybody goes, yeah, DevOps, you know, that's just the new agile or whatever it is. But, but let me, let me put a fighter point on that and make it just a little bit more controversial and profound, you know, going back to my unofficial title of trouble and instigation. Um, what, what I think is going to become normal and what I'm trying to sort of advance the cause on becoming normal is doing things like, um, creating the ability for, for teams and organizations to make a change to production um, in the same day that someone requested that change. <laughs> so request comes in, we can make that change the same day. Like I'd like to make that normal um, or being able to make multiple changes to a production system in a single day mm -hmm. uh, or making changes to production systems during the regular workday you know, the, the nine to five or whatever that normal workday is for us, you know, no more all weekend release windows where you, you know, you'd open up the, the, the zoom or the call bridge or whatever it is on five o'clock on a Friday. And, you know, you're, you're wringing your hands and praying and hoping that it's, you know, it's everything's done by 8am on Monday uh, when everything comes back up. Um, how about, how about recovering from an outage, an incident, or uh, a service deg degradation in minutes? 
Mm. Um, in, instead of, you know, maybe days or weeks and without burning people out in the process. Oh, wow. Yeah. So th- those are the things that I see are coming. There's a, there's a quote that I, that I love the, the future is here. It's just not evenly distributed. <laughs> and, um, I think for those of us who have seen it, we've seen these, you know, what these ways of working can do. And, uh, again, for the organizations and for the people involved and, um, you know, my, uh, passion, if it's not already evident and obvious is to, is to, is to maybe create some space for that kind of change within organizations that would benefit from it. Um, because there, there are a lot of organizations out there that aren't winning, uh, in whatever way that they define winning. And there are a lot of people that, um, that don't have joy in their work, uh, in the way that they, they should and, and deserve. And with and with all the power that we have to, available to us through technology and these you know these new ways of working, you know that just my my opinion that shouldn't be the case. There should be a lot more organizations winning and a lot more people having joy in their work. Hmm. I like that. I look forward to that future, Jeff. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's been great catching up with you and, and hearing about your journey. Indeed. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.